Great Wall of China is, as its name suggests, a wall found in China that it's fair to say is indeed pretty great. So it's well named at the very least. But what is the story of the Great Wall? When and why was it built? And can you see it from the moon? All these questions and more will be answered in this episode. And while I don't want to spoil too much here, I can tell you that the answer to at least one of those questions is very simply no. Uh, I'll let you figure out which question. Uh, The interesting thing about the Great Wall of China is that it isn't actually one single wall, as much as the pictures you've probably seen of it might make you think it is. It is, in fact, a series of walls spread out across what were uh, many hundreds or even thousands of years ago, the northern borders of various Chinese states or even a unified Chinese empire, depending on when you go back to Um, And in addition to keeping nomadic raiders from the north out and defending incursions from the enemies of the Chinese uh, from from the Central Asian steppes, this network of walls served another purpose. As much as it was important and principally used for defence, it also had a role to play in commerce, as we'll come to. Anyway, to begin the story of the wall, we have to go back a long, long way here to the 7th century BCE, over two and a half thousand years to a period of Chinese history referred to as the spring and autumn period. During this time, powerful Chinese dynasties, the Han, the Qin, the Zhao, the Wei, the Qi, and others others besides, they all built walls to protect their borders from their hated enemies. Now, these walls were not particularly advanced or sophisticated. In some cases, they were just rammed earth, which is little more than dirt and wood. But they did their job, and in doing so, form the very earliest parts of what would go on to become the Great Wall of China. This is the origin story of the Great Wall, a series of uh, wall segments disconnected from one another that served as a way to defend various chunks of territory between warring states and factions within uh, within periods like the 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 spring and autumn period, and also the extremely well-named Warring States period that followed it immediately afterwards. Anyway, a lot of this ancient wall, however, it, it hasn't survived. And uh, this is for two reasons. Firstly, the ravages of time. Obviously, that's going to take it out of walls made of dirt and gravel and wood. But uh, it wasn't just the ravages of time that brought these walls down. It was also the ravages of a bloke named Qin Shi Huang, who came along in the second century BCE as the first emperor of a unified China under the Qin dynasty. Now, you can learn all about this bloke in episode 44, Get Across It. Bit of a wild tale. Um, He did spend a lot of his time seeking the secret of immortality and, uh, you know, didn't find it. Or if he did, he's kept it very bloody quiet for over 2,000 years. Anyway, one of the other things that Qin Shi Huang did when he wasn't seeking eternal life was destroy huge sections of these ancient walls that I've just talked about. Now, why? Why did he do this? Because after unifying all of these different dynasties and their territories under imperial authority, their former border walls now ran right through the middle of his empire. So he couldn't have that. Um, And so a lot of these walls were torn down. However, the walls that happened to be built on the borders of the empire itself, particularly up towards the north, they stuck around and were even built upon and improved, uh, obviously, to secure the borders of Qin Shi Huang's new new unified realm. Uh, But all these internal ones, all the old ones, they they were demolished. And it wasn't long before the Qin dynasty uh, collapsed. It was replaced by the Han dynasty who, again, continued to build uh, new border fortifications as well as maintaining the existing walls that had already been built. And in particular, the Han built uh, great big long sections of wall that are still around today, uh, up towards the northeast of modern China, near and even across the uh, 
the border with North Korea. If the maps that I looked at uh, represent the position of these walls accurately, it seems that uh, these these are the best examples of the ancient walls that were built many, many thousands of years ago. Um, but they're not, very interestingly, as, as of course we'll come to, they're not what you may have in mind when you imagine the Great Wall of China. These ancient walls are uh, something completely different. They're not the uh, the typical idea of the uh, of, of of the Great Wall that you probably have in your head. Anyway, we'll come to that. Um, as imperial dynasties came and went, wall building remained a very popular pastime for those living near the northern northern borders of the empire. Which is, as you can imagine, these borders they shift and. They shifted and changed over time, uh, meaning that new walls were constantly being built along wherever the border happened to be at the time. In fact, some sections of wall were built so far north that they're in what is today Mongolia. So now you can really see that the Great Wall isn't just one wall fixed in place in an unmoving, protecting an unmoving border. We're talking about thousands of years of history here. It's very unusual for borders to remain in the same place for such a huge span of time. So really, it's actually not surprising that the wall or walls that make up the Great Wall of China are a bit all over the place. Uh, the Han had their Great Binglong sections, the Northern Wei, they built walls, the Northern Qi built walls, the Sui Dynasty built walls. And if you have a look at these walls on a map, um, honestly, it... It looks a bit like a bowl of spaghetti due to the nature of these shifting borders over the centuries and which areas were deemed to be the most important to defend at any given time. But as we move further now through the centuries, as we get to the 7th century CE under the Tang Dynasty, people seem to have chilled out on the wall building front for a while. Uh, The Tang were a little more expansionist in nature, it seems and didn't want to build walls to delineate borders, that would very likely be shifted after their next conquest. So this makes sense, right? You've got a a more aggressive, expansionist, conquest-focused dynasty in charge. Uh, Wall building isn't going to be at the top of their agenda, given that walls are inherently defensive structures. Uh, Instead, right, instead, the Tang built smaller fortresses dotted here and there that were hilariously nicknamed Cities for Accepting Surrender. The tank really got after it, it seems. Rather than build what we've already clearly characterised as defensive structures like walls, they built uh, rather more aggressive structures like conveniently located facilities at which their enemies could uh, surrender at their leisure. So... This meant, right, that we didn't see much done in the way of wall building under the Tang. And this this trend continued for quite some time. There was some minor wall building here and there that went on between the 11th and 13th centuries. But broadly speaking, the Great Wall didn't get all that much greater or indeed all that much wallier uh, for a few hundred years. It did, however, continue to serve the functions that we've already talked about. It stymied invading armies and raiders uh, as an important defensive fortification. But it also played a role in the economic and commercial affairs of the time, as I, as I sort of briefly mentioned uh, right at the top of the episode. And this is because the Silk Road, which was a monumentally important trade route that connected Asia to Europe, almost 6,500 kilometres long in, uh, in length, it connected cities like Constantinople all the way over towards Europe uh, with cities like Chang'an. Today, these cities are known as uh, Istanbul and Xi'an. Uh, But because of the immense wealth that flowed along this road, right, as goods were traded such vast distances, when this road uh, entered Chinese territory, walls were built as checkpoints to inspect and regulate and obviously tax this trade. 
Now, this is a uh, an often overlooked but nonetheless very important aspect of the Great Wall. It helped to bolster Chinese economies by controlling trade and commerce and enriching those who were able to control sections of the wall that directly intersected the uh, the Silk Road. So, again, not the most exciting part of the uh, of the Great Wall's history, but still a very important thing to remember uh, when thinking about uh, this fortification is that it didn't just serve a military and a defensive purpose. It also had a role to play in in commerce and, and the economy of the region. But we come now to perhaps what is the most important time period when it comes to the Great Wall of China, the rule of the Ming dynasty from the 14th century onwards. The Ming went after the Mongols in the north. Uh, they fought a war of expansion, but this proved to be a bad move because in the end, the Ming got an absolute thrashing and had to head back south with their tails between their legs. This war had been long, it had been costly, and ultimately it had been pretty bloody unsuccessful. And so consequently, the Ming decided a better course was to shore up and secure the borders that they already had rather than fight this war of expansion. And this led to a return to the ancient Chinese pastime of building enormous walls along the northern edges of their territory. And the walls that the Ming built were unlike anything the world had ever seen. Now, imagine in your mind the Great Wall of China for a second. A long stone wall dotted with watchtowers, usually snaking over beautiful forested hills. This is the wall that the Ming built. The Great Wall of China. And they built it to delineate and defend their territory from the Mongols in the north, who obviously weren't too happy about having to give the uh, give the Ming Dynasty a bit of a thrashing, in order to uh, potentially prevent any raids, any incursions, any uh, any acts of retribution. This wall was built and it was maintained as almost all of the Great Wall was throughout its history to defend the Chinese from their enemies to the north. This wall was, and still is, a marvel of engineering. The Ming Great Wall spans 8,850 kilometres, with over 6,200 kilometres of that actual actually being wall, uh, while the rest is made up of trenches or natural barriers like rivers and mountains. These walls, they were built by conscripted peasant workers or by convicts, uh, all of whom had to suffer pretty awful conditions as they toiled away. Uh, and for the most part, it's built of worked stone, tens of thousands of watchtowers spaced along thousands of kilometres of wall, wall that is in many places wide enough for an army to march along the top of. So this means that the wall the Ming, uh, the walls the Ming built were just walls, but were also, in a technical sense, roads. They enabled the quick movement of troops along the borders to wherever they needed to be at a given time. But again, don't forget, even now at this point, with the Ming bringing wall building back into vogue, they didn't just build one great big long wall. Go and look at a map of even the, the, the Ming Great Wall and you will see it's all sorts of little sections with forks and, and branches and, and separations. As nice and as neat as it would be if it were just one great big long interrupted wall, that really is not what the Great Wall was or in fact today is. And as such, Sometimes it makes it a little difficult to say exactly what is and what is not the Great Wall of China. In 2012, China's National Cultural Heritage Administration officially ruled that there are 10,051 wall sections that make up the Great Wall, which uh, in total span an absurd 
21,196 kilometers in length. When you consider that the uh, the circumference of the Earth at the equator is around 40,000 kilometers, there is enough of the Great Wall of China to get halfway around the world. Depending on the definition you go by, uh, the Great Wall of China spans from the Jade Gate at the Yumen Pass in, uh, in remote northwest China, going all the way across to the China-North Korea border, where it is traditionally held to end at the Shanghai Pass. But again, this is more all made up of various segments built thousands of years apart from one another. There are gaps, there are breaks, there are areas where it doubles up. Um, uh, I have to say, a determined Mongol warlord could probably find their way through these days, to be honest. The most famous stretches of the Great Wall are the areas most visited by tourists are places like Badaling, uh, just northwest of the Chinese capital, Beijing. Uh, these sections are very well maintained. They're very well looked after. They honestly are truly spectacular to see. Uh, there are segments of the wall that climb steep, picturesque hills, vast panoramas divided in two by this majestic bulwark. But sadly, other less popular areas have fallen into disrepair. Some have even been plundered for stone to build other buildings, or worse, destroyed altogether to make room for new construction projects. Walls have been vandalised and then inexpertly repaired. One section was once repaired with concrete rather than stone, and only last year, in 2023, construction workers busted open a great big hole in the wall to let an excavator get through it. So it's a great shame that the wall is uh, is under attack like this. But I will say, it's not just humans trying to wear the wall down. Mother Nature is also out there reclaiming what is hers. Apart from the vegetation that grows into and damages the wall, it has also been very heavily eroded in some places by sandstorms, for instance. Uh, sand, sandstorms have knocked metres off the height of the wall in some places and destroyed many, many watchtowers. So... As a result of the, the, the ongoing damage that the, the wall is suffering, very careful custodianship of this, uh, of this monument is required from China. So it can continue to be appreciated by future generations. Future generations that, I might add, will not be appreciating the Great Wall of China from the moon and not even from low Earth orbit. You may have heard that the Great Wall of China is the only human-made structure that can be seen from space. It is not for two reasons. Firstly, you can't really even see it from space. And secondly, you can see heaps of other human-made stuff from space. But all the same, there are these weirdly persistent and completely false stories about how you can see the wall from space. You just can't. And I don't know why these stories have stuck around when they've been so thoroughly debunked over the years. Look, yes, technically speaking... If you're in low enough orbit and conditions are absolutely perfect and you know exactly what you're looking for and where to look for it, you can technically and also barely see the wall. But it's not like abundantly obvious. It's extremely hard to see and it's very easy to mix it up with something else. Um, like the European Space Agency did in 2003 when they published a photo they'd taken in low orbit that was supposedly of the Great Wall and it later emerged that this photo was of a river. So, yeah, you you can't really see the Great Wall from space. Sorry about that. For more details, episode 267, uh, History's Biggest Misconceptions. Get across it. Anyway, the Great Wall of China, it remains one of the most famous monuments, not just in China, but in the world more broadly. A several thousand year old feat of engineering 
that to this day remains an iconic aspect of the Chinese landscape. It has stood in its various forms for over two and a half thousand years, and I very much hope that it will stand for another two and a half thousand at least.